Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting the Bible study every Wednesday night for those who cannot be with us in person. And we know that even in the Omaha area, there are people who want to be in God's word, but they, for one reason or another, scheduling conflict, difficulties with their physical condition, whatever it might be, they cannot be with us in person. But we also know that there are people listening all across the country and around the world, and they obviously, because of where they live, cannot be with us in person. But they want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to hear what the Bible teaches. So we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to share God's Word through the vast medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts so that people anywhere the internet is available to them, they can tune in and they can study God's Word with us. We're thankful you're there. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can in your life through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Also, tell everybody to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever device they choose, they will automatically receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, Monday through Friday, and a short Bible study, about 13 to 14 minutes usually, but every day, seven days a week. That all, that's called today's Bible class. And all of that will automatically go to their smart device. So, Tell everybody you can. You may help somebody grow in their faith, come closer to God. Maybe you'll help somebody even get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them for sure, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So begin to share today. We're going to get back into our study, our study from the gospel account according to John. And of course, John is, is writing this account of the ministry of Jesus upon this earth. And again, as we've emphasized, there are four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very parallel in the materials that they cover pertaining to Jesus's life and ministry upon this earth. John's stands out. He goes in a different direction. He focuses, uh, well, he focuses more perhaps Hmm, I'm not sure how I can how I can actually put this. Jesus being the Savior. Now, now so did Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John John emphasizes from a different perspective, kind of taking a different angle on the ministry of Jesus and upon his being the Savior. A great deal of John's gospel account actually focuses upon the last day of Jesus before he went to the cross and then his going to the cross, and then his appearing and continuing his ministry for 40 days after his resurrection. Uh, he, John covers that in much more detail than does, than does Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Well, but we're here in chapter 10, picking up chapter 10. And actually, with chapter 10, we're beginning to get close to that context of Scripture that really starts to focus largely upon the last day of Jesus 
before he goes to the cross. But we're not quite there yet. But this is a great chapter, and I mean a great chapter. It focuses upon Jesus being the good shepherd, as a lot of people have described it. And we're looking at, at, a, at a lot of metaphors that Jesus uses in this particular chapter, referring to Jesus and to those who follow him. In the very first verse, John 10 and verse 1, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, it's an interesting, and, and so we're seeing the first metaphor uh, in this particular, in, this, in verse 2 of this particular beginning of John chapter 10. He who enters the door, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is talking about a person who is personally following him, but also his being, his being that chief shepherd. Now, we have to kind of get into the culture of that day and that part of the world. Of course, a shepherd or shepherding flocks of sheep was a big, big part of the culture of that day. Now, and it's, it's different than what we have experienced in the United States among sheep farmers or sheep ranchers. It was a very personal kind of relationship for the shepherds who were shepherding their flocks of sheep in that part of the world, in that culture of that day. They lived among the sheep to a great extent. They knew the sheep personally. You know, every, they knew every, every sheep within their fold. Now, when it would come nighttime, a lot of times if they were near a town, they would bring their sheep into the town, the whole flock, and there would be in that town, there would be a sheep fold. We might liken it to a corral today, you know, in, in our, again, in our culture. But they would bring there, and there would, be, there would be a keeper there of the fold, and they would bring all their sheep in and, and probably pay a fee, and they, that, that keeper of the sheep there within that fold, the one overseeing that, he would watch over those sheep during the night while the shepherds went and had a meal and and yeah, maybe got a room in the in 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 the inn or someplace. But anyway, they you know the next morning they come get their sheep. Now some people might say, well, uh, if different shepherds were bringing their flocks into that one fold and they were all putting them in that one fold, how would how would the shepherd the next morning either one of them how would they know which ones were theirs? And that was easy. And Jesus talks about that a little later in this chapter. Chapter, He talks about they, every shepherd would simply give his, his signal to the sheep. He'd have a particular call, maybe a yodel or maybe a kind of whistle or whatever. Uh, maybe just uh, put some syllables together, you know. Da -da 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 -da, you know. And, but anyway, he'd have his individual unique call for his particular sheep, and they would start following him. Now, the other sheep in the fold, they would not recognize that call, and so they just stay where they were. Their own shepherd had his own unique call. So what does Jesus say here? And this is important for us to understand as we begin this particular study in this chapter, John chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, 
but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So when the shepherds would come to the sheepfold they, to pick up their flocks when they were ready to move on back out to pasture, they would come to the sheepfold door or the gate. And that's the way it would work. That would be the way a, you know, honest business transaction would be taking place. Now, again, probably they would, you know, pay some kind of fee to have the, the keeper of the fold watch over their flock that night or however long they left their flock there. But then when they were ready to take the flock back out to pasture, they'd come and they'd come to the gate. They'd come to the keeper and they would, would you know, get the passage for their flock to leave, you know, that fold. But now... Somebody who tried to, maybe it's going to be a thief, you know, he's not going to go in through the sheepfold. The keeper is going to be there. So he may climb over the fence, climb over the, the, you know, whatever the partition was and try to steal some sheep, you know, and, and because he's a thief. Well, Jesus says a true shepherd is going to come to the sheepfold door. He's going to come, he's going to come to the door of the sheepfold because that's natural. He's, he's honest. He's the owner of those sheep, and he's going to come get his flock. But a thief is going to go some other way because he doesn't want to be caught and doesn't even want to be noticed. And so he may climb over, you know, the wall or over the fence or whatever it is, partitioning that fold, and that's because he's a thief. So verse 2, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He who does not enter by the sheepfold, uh, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. So there's a distinction between the identities there. Now, here's the first metaphor again. And, and language is rich with metaphors. We use it all the time. We may not realize, you know, the official kind of designation of the language we're using. But, but Jesus is talking about himself basically here as being the shepherd of the sheep. And we have no record that Jesus ever owned a flock of sheep. We never have any record that he ever did any work as a shepherd of a flock of sheep. So what's he talking about? He's talking about his faithful followers. The scriptures are, are, are repetitive, talking about the faithful followers of God and of Jesus. Now, not just people who say they believe in God and believe in Jesus, but the ones who are truly following God, truly following Jesus, they're refer- we're referred to often in the scriptures as God's sheep or our Lord's sheep. And that's not a demeaning kind of designation or metaphor. It's, it's simply talking about, again, remember what the what the you know relationship of the shepherd to the sheep was in that particular culture of that day. They knew their sheep by name, every single one of them. And, and if a sheep became ill, the shepherd was there to take care of that, that, that particular sheep. He knew when the newborns were born, and he, you know, he helped raise them from birth on. What Jesus knows his sheep his faithful followers. And that's important for us to understand. Now, what about this business about coming only through the gate or only through the door of the sheepfold? If we're going to come to Jesus, we're going to have to come the right way, his way. There are a whole lot of people who want to follow God their way, and they want to make excuses that my way ought to be good enough. We've got to come to God his way. You know, I, I, I remind people in teaching and preaching 
uh, frequently. What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there are a whole lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus. Jesus said they're not going to be in heaven. Well, why? If they're a follower of Jesus, they say they're followers of Jesus, but they're not following him by his teachings. They're not following him according to the will of our heavenly father. They're just wanting to do it their way. He said, they're not going to be in heaven. In fact, in verse 23, he said, even after they say, hey, look at us, look at all we've done in your name. He said, I'll tell you, depart from me. You evildoers, I never knew you. You were never with me. That needs to open our eyes and open our understanding as well. So we've got to come to Jesus not just some way. We've got to come to Jesus his way. There are two passages of Scripture in the, in, in the New Testament, and only two, that have the phrase, into Jesus, preceded by the means laid out in Scripture of coming into Jesus. And that's Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27. And those are the only two verses in the entire New Testament that have that connection, how we come into Jesus. What's the right door to the sheepfold? So we can be part of his flock, his faithful followers. In both of those verses, it says, baptized into Jesus. Now, that's significant. There are a whole lot of churches out there who claim to be Christians who teach that somehow a person can come into Jesus without being baptized. Now, they'll usually say, well, yeah, let, you know, let's baptize you later, but you're already saved. You're already in, in Christ. That's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say we're baptized into Jesus. Again, Romans 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 21. And we must come into Christ because that's where salvation is. That's where salvation is. Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we need to be in Christ in order to be saved. How do I come into Christ? Baptized into Christ. Romans 6, 3, Galatians 3, 27. So Jesus is saying here, if, if you want to be part of my flock, my sheep, my flock of sheep, my followers, you've got to come to me my way. So verse 3, he goes on. To him, the doorkeeper opens. Now, to whom the doorkeeper opens? Going back to verse 2. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, so in other words, comes to the sheepfold the right way. He's the shepherd of the sheep. So the keeper of the sheepfold recognizes the true shepherd of the flock that he's been watching over all night. All right. Verse 3 again, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, the shepherds knew their sheep. He knew each one by name. 
The sheep knew their shepherd by his unique call or voice. You know, people demonstrate. They demonstrate whose sheep they are every day by what shepherd they follow, by the voice of whatever shepherd, whatever call that they respond to. A whole lot of people who, who, who think they're following Jesus are following the devil because they're not following the teachings of Jesus. They're not responding to his call. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. But they don't necessarily want to learn about Jesus. They just want to feel like they're with him. They're in his flock of sheep. They're one of his faithful followers when they're not living by his teachings. So we move on to verse 4. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I remember listening to a fella, oh, a number of years ago, but he, he is an American, and and he said, you know, he had been to the Middle East, and he had the experience of watching a couple shepherds bring their flocks together. Now, they were separate, separate flocks of sheep, and they were two different shepherds. They were both out of the pasture leading their flocks, and they saw one another, and they, they joined together, and they started talking to one another. Well, you understand what's going to happen with those two flocks of sheep. They're going to start in, intermingling. You're, they're going to get all mixed up. But anyway, the shepherds, they kept moving on. They kept talking. And then after a while, it came time for them to part their ways. And so they did. And so he said, one of the shepherds started calling his sheep, you know, whatever his call was. Whatever his, his, but his sheep knew his voice. And he said, sheep started moving around sheep, and sheep started separating, and sheep started jumping over sheep, because those sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And so those two flocks, they neatly, I mean, if, if you want to think of it from that perspective, but effectively, they separated into two separate flocks again, each one following their specific shepherd. That's what Jesus is talking about. Those who are truly following him in faithfulness will be following him by his teachings, according to his teachings. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus said in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. There are a whole lot of people, they don't want to keep his commandments. They just want to say they love him. And they want to feel warm and fuzzy because they say they love Jesus and they assume he loves them. Well, he does love them. But sometimes somebody you love, you know, is going down the wrong path to their own destruction. And even though you've tried to teach them the truth, try to get them, influence them to come and change their direction, they don't. And so they're still going down the path to self-destruction. But, but they want to feel warm and fuzzy because they say they love Jesus. They may even have this feeling, I, I love Jesus, but they're living in a way that is not in keeping with his teachings. So Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The sense being, if you truly love me, you will follow me by my teachings. You will be obedient. So 
when the true shepherd brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. And I just gave you the illustration, talking about that fellow who had been there and seen what happened when two shepherds brought their flocks together. Once they came to the point where it was time to part their ways, the two shepherds separated and one of them just simply started calling his sheep. They, his sheep knew his voice, and they separated from the other flock and followed him. So, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. You know, our Lord kept finding <laughs> kept experiencing that difficulty, that problem, when he would teach people from a spiritual perspective. Now, he would use numerous, numerous physical illustrations or examples that people ought to have been able to relate to, but so many had the tendency of just thinking about what he was saying from a physical perspective, and he's trying to get across a spiritual lesson. And so he's used this particular illustration, a true-to-life kind of illustration with a spiritual, spiritual message. And so verse 6 says, he used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Well, so what does a good teacher do when he experiences, I've laid out the message here, I've tried to teach the material but the class isn't getting it. Well, he went back to the teaching process. So verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, so if we want to get into our Lord's sheepfold, into his flock, we've got to come through him his way. And he said in John chapter 14, verse Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way to God. He is the only way to salvation. So, verse 7 again, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, here's the second metaphor. Is he literally a door? No. He is the way to salvation, the way to God for forgiveness and salvation. Verse 8, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. There have been a whole lot of false teachers out there in the history of mankind. And let me tell you, there are a whole lot of false teachers out there today. And there are a whole lot of them who they'll pick up a Bible and have it in their hand. They'll read a scripture here or there but they make the applications incorrectly and they're leading people astray away from Jesus in obedience, away from being a part of his flock. He goes on <clears throat> and again, remember what he says here. A true shepherd enters by the sheepfold door. Somebody else climbs over the fence because they're thieves and robbers. In other words, they're false shepherds. False teachers are out there all around us today, and a lot of them 
they call themselves Christians, and they call themselves pastors, and reverends, and teachers, and preachers, and evangelists, but they're teaching false doctrine. And so Jesus identifies those as being thieves and robbers. And even if they think they're, they're being true to Christ, but they're teaching something, that, they're teaching teachings, doctrines that contradict the teachings of Christ, the teachings of New Testament Christianity, that makes them false teachers. And if you want to get to heaven, you've got to follow that pathway to heaven. Jesus describes that in Matthew 7 and verses 13 and 14 as being straight and narrow, because truth is narrow. Well, we come back here. Now, let's look at verse 9. Jesus goes on and he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, who is the bottom line thief? Or we might say the puppet master behind all of the false teachers and teachings. It's the devil himself. But the devil uses people to do his work all the time. And a whole lot of the time he uses unwitting people, people who think they're doing what's right. But again, they're teaching false doctrine. And so the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And ultimately, that's eternal life. But while we're still living here in this world, it is the best life that is the Christian life, a life of forgiveness, a life of, of salvation, a life that has real hope of eternal life in heaven. There is no better life. There is no life that begins to compare to the faithful Christian life. Now, he goes on, and he uses another metaphor here. I am the good shepherd and really, that's parallel. He used a little different wording than what he said in verse 2 when he said the shepherd of the sheep. Here he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And a shepherd in the culture, of the, in, in, in the culture and that part of the world of that day, he would have to fight off wild animals savage wild animals who would be after the sheep. And so Jesus says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, he's talking about, he's really prophesying here. He knows he's going to go to the cross for his sheep, for his faithful followers, for those who would come to him in faithful obedience through the gospel. Verse 12, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Well, it's one thing to own a business and another thing to work for the owner of a business. <laughs> There's a more personal connection and commitment there, isn't there? We can relate to that in the culture of our day. But Jesus brings that out basically here in verse 12, describing the difference between a, a shepherd who owns the flock and a hireling, somebody he hires to work with the flock. 
that hireling, he might see the wolf coming or maybe a pack of wolves, and he says, oh, this is danger. I better get out of here. He leaves the sheep, and the wolves kill the sheep. Well, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Verse 13, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even, I, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Boy, Jesus is making a commitment here. He's voicing a commitment. I will die for my sheep, for my faithful followers, for all who will come to me through the, the true gospel message of salvation. Verse 16, the other sheep, or, or and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also... I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. What's he talking about here? Two different flocks that are going to join together. He's talking about, now who's he talking to initially? The Jews. They were the ones who were supposed to have been looking for the coming shepherd. Now, shepherd, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. But now, the gospel was not limited, was never intended to be limited just to the Jewish people. And so Jesus is talking about the Gentiles here when he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Apostle Paul goes into some detail along this line as well, talking about how Jews and Gentiles who become Christians come together in Christ because the gospel message of salvation is to all mankind. Jesus told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15, and 16 Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And notice how baptism again fits right in the center of the person answering the call of the gospel. Yeah. It's the transition point. Okay. So... Gentiles were going to be taught the gospel as well. Now, that was going to be a real real problem for many of the Jews because they did not think the Gentiles were equal to them from a spiritual perspective. And the whole idea of the Gentiles becoming true followers of Christ, becoming Christians and being equal with the Jews in that identity, boy, they struggled with that, many of them at least. But that comes on later. Now, verse 17, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Over and over again, Jesus talked about how he humbly fulfilled the mission, the work that the father sent him to do while he was here upon this earth as our Savior. And he says, hey, I, 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 I don't have to go to the cross. When he was 
on trial before Pilate or having a, being, being heard by Pilate, being examined by the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. You know, Pilate said at one point, you don't answer me? Don't you understand that I have the power to have you executed and I have the power to release you? And Jesus responded, you would have no power except it was given to you from above. And he said, I'm called legions of angels to deliver me, but that's not what I'm here for. Jesus came to die on that cross as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. So what's the response of the people listening to this lesson from Jesus? Verse 19, therefore there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now remember in the previous chapter, Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. But even in the face of those miracles and wonders and signs that he continually performed, demonstrating that he truly is the Son of God, that he truly is God the Son, the Savior, the Lord, the Messiah, come to earth. You had many of those who were supposed to have been looking for him to come because they had all of the Old Testament prophecies, and they still did not believe in him. They still rejected him. Well, we'll pick up there next time rather than just rush through the rest of this particular chapter. So read on through the rest of chapter 10, and again, we'll pick it up next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for loving us so much, so much that you sent your son to the cross to die on our part, to die to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Thank you for helping us to appreciate the image that we are sheep within the flock of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Please protect us, Father. Please strengthen us and encourage us. And please keep away the evil one and all of his wiles of trying to lead us away from you and to eternal destruction. Help us to help others see the way to you, Father through Jesus. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.